You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 12 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Bob. Uh, We're coming to you today from the Merrick Library in Merrick, New York. That's in Nassau County. Big, exciting. Uh, If this is your first time listening, thanks for joining us. Library Pros podcast is produced bi-monthly, so don't forget to check us out and subscribe to our RSS feed, iTunes, Android, Google Play, and most any podcatcher. That's new, right? That's a new one. Totally new. Yeah. Links and notes from today's podcast can be found on our website, www.thelibrarypros.com, on Twitter, at The Library Pros, or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Library Pros. Today, joining us <coughs> is... I'm sorry. Excuse me. Jeez. I know, I blew it. Okay. <laughs> now I'm fine. Why don't we just go right into it? <laughs> so today joining us um, is the Merrick Public Library's director, Ellen Fire. Uh, I always mess people's names up. That's not bad, bad right? Not bad. Not bad. First, first not bad. Along with Redo's <laughs> advisory librarian, Carol Antak, and technology librarian, Marisa Crowley. So welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Okay, so we're going um, we're gonna to speak to Ellen Ann and Marisa today. Caroline. <laughs> See? I always mess up something. About um, technology and daring to be one of the first libraries to jump into new tech, embracing the culture of change in libraries, and integrating technology into the duties of the staff, and probably talking about a hundred other little things uh, today. So, but first we get started with that. Before we get started with that, let's learn more about our guests. Their backgrounds and their history um, and a lot about the library. So uh, we always find it interesting when we speak to our guests about the history because we find, although we are in the same profession, we all came from different backgrounds. So where did you guys get your master's degrees? You can go around the table. Well, I got my master's degrees, degree at Rutgers in 1978. I'm dating myself. <laughs> Rutgers. We haven't had a Rutgers yet. Usually it's post- I or know. Uh, Queens. I know. It was a great program, too. They already had database searching and programming in 1978. That is cool. Yep. I went to Queens College. We're another Queens person. Queens seems to be out, outpacing the post people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a good program. You had to write a thesis, though. I did. Yeah. And they really scared you from the first <laughs> class that you took there. They kept talking about this thesis class. I mean, I, th- I almost quit my job. I'm like, oh, I can't. Oh I can't work and, and do this thesis. But uh, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> and I went to St. John's University. St. John's. We have a Johnny. Yep, that's me. Wow. Very cool. Okay, so how long have you been in the profession? And if you don't want to answer this question, I completely understand. I've been in the profession basically since the early, since the early 80s, I would say. Mm-hmm. I've been here 13 years, but I started out um, part-time in Massapequa okay. after I had two sons. Then I took time off, had two more sons. <laughs> then went back. <laughs> Starting a baseball team. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And I went back to um, work in Plainview where I worked for 10 years. Okay. Then went to Syosset for two years as assistant director. And um, I must say, Plainview and Syosset were two wonderfully run libraries. A great place to get a start. I've been here in this library almost nine years. I started here as a trainee 
in I think 2008, the beginning of 2008. Um, that's also the same year I graduated from library school. Uh, I was a corporate librarian for about 25 years, and then I will be here six years in the public sector in February. It's a long time. Wow. It's my turn, by the way. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know. Thanks, you're, for, thanks for coming, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> All right. So what draws you each towards technology, not just in a library setting, but in general, I guess, in your personal lives as well? For me, I think it was because I have a husband that um, has a master's in computer science from also oh, that's cool. the 70s. So I was introduced to a lot of different things. And my first son majored in, in management information systems and was very into computers. So it just got me in that realm. Yeah, that's cool. Plus, when I started professionally as a librarian, many librarians just shied away. So it opened the yeah. door. That's how kind of you moved up because... The internet was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? It's killing us. Yeah. <laughs> and it just left this big gap. And if you were willing to take a chance, yeah. you jumped in and it opened up a whole world. I think technology has the potential to make everything in your life really easy, but it can also make everything super frustrating. Okay. You don't know how to That's use it. That's the right it. answer. That yeah. is the right That's the right answer. That's absolutely the right answer. <laughs> I like to know how to do things, so I just try and keep yeah. up. Otherwise, you know, you just start pulling your hair out. But right? isn't that the secret, right. too, to a good tech person, mm -hmm. is not yes. being afraid to break it? Yes. Right. Right. Press anything and press everything. If it crashes, you just right. reboot it. Just turn it off, turn it back on. Exactly. Fix anything. And that's usually what happens. I'll try it, break it, and then I'll call right. Marisa. Yeah. Can you come help me, please? <laughs> Actually, we did that yesterday. We just turning off the coffee machine downstairs and turning it on didn't work. We unplugged it from the wall, plugged <laughs> it back <laughs> in, and pressed out. Voila. Now you have to edit this because the secret's out. <laughs> if rebooting it doesn't fix it, unplug it from the wall. I love it. We just I took your job. I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Technology one. This is going to take a long time to get on the internet because you can't let the secret out. <laughs> oh, man, this is bad. This may be the last podcast. Uh, this is great, no, it might be the best podcast. I have a feeling we're not going to, like you were saying before, they're going to take our equipment from us. Oh, yeah. Well, we're just going to give it to them because we realize we're so outpaced, just let them have it. Marisa's is just going to come and unplug it and it'll yes, work. You can and walk yeah. away. That's it. <laughs> You're up. Oh, oh, no, that was it. I was saying how before I always will jump in with technology. Oh, okay. And then if it breaks, I call someone for help. Usually it's Marisa. And <laughs> she's like, oh, my God, not Caroline again. She just hangs up. <laughs> so, you know, it's, we always find it interesting when we do the podcast that, you know, we're all library professionals. But unless you're the, one of a very small breed of person that grew up, Going into junior high school, high school, and college, and all these said, I want to be a librarian, I want to be a librarian, I want to be a librarian. Not everybody starts that way. We, Most don't. I, I affectionately call it, and I've called it in past episodes, we're the Island of Misfit Toys. We all wanted to be something else. And then this was, you know, wait a minute. I spent all that time in a library before I failed. Maybe I should just become a librarian. So why don't we go around the room and, and tell everybody what you wanted to be when you grew up before you... And, I wanted to be a history professor from the time I was very young. I was very into, you know, history, and I started a graduate program, but I ended up leaving it. And I found library science, even though I'd always been a huge reader and went to the library all the time growing up in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. the class would walk to the library. It was a big influence. I never thought about it as a career. 
but we had moved to um, New Br- around the New Brunswick, New Jersey area. My husband was working for Bell Labs, okay. and I wasn't sure which direction I wanted to take. And seriously, we were just walking around the Rutgers campus, and I saw a building that said library and information science, and I thought, hmm. What the heck, right? What the heck? <laughs> That's where it started. It was not a lifelong ambition at all. That's great. I wanted to be a writer my whole life growing up. And then when I went to college, I decided to major in anthropology. And I thought I might go to Australia and live with the <laughs> Aborigines or something like that. But by my junior year, I had switched back to English as my major. <laughs> and um, then I went into the publishing field after that until library school. Yeah, that is so funny. I think I've always just been, I remember in elementary school. Oh, no, we have a one percenter. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It means the one um, percent that the wanted, 1%. Yeah, the, the one pining for the library. But I just would go and hang out in the library all the time, and I would help after school. And then I was told that I was a nerd because when I went to high school, I joined the library squad. <laughs> I told her Sorry. she was a nerd. And I did, and I had a sash <laughs> that said library squad. Wait, 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 wait. Back kidding. up there. Wait a second. I did. I had a sash. A and sash. Yep, that said library squad on Carol it. And <laughs> and a sash. Okay. And I know this about her. Around. Yes. And I thought that was just like totally boss. I thought I was so cool. Um, and then when I went to college, I had to uh, take college work study. So I was in that program. And one of the jobs they had was for a corporate library assistant. And I thought, well, I can do that. So that's how I started my corporate career. I don't think I ever intentionally went into, I want to be a librarian. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was something I was really good at. So I just kind of fell into it. Corporate, you're in a city, huh? Yeah, Manhattan. Manhattan. I did a lot of investment banking, management consulting, financial wow. services. But I didn't bring wow. the sash. I still have the sash, but I didn't bring it with me in my interviews. I want to see that sash. <laughs> well, then, now we know what we're putting on the website <laughs> later. You've got to send the picture of the sash. I have to find it. I'm try. not even kidding. I, neither am I. I said to Marisa, i got to find that picture. <laughs> oh, that's send, hysterical. Send the sash. <laughs> wow. We could do an auction. Auction off the sash. I don't think she's going to give it mine, up. That's mine, man. Well, Get your own. Here, do you want this? <laughs> I'll let you try it on. I'll let you try it. We could trade the sash for the. Oh well, that, wow! This, that, <laughs> that's that, a big. That's trade. an interesting trade. You got it on sale. You don't have to tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'll let you try it on, but that's about as far as I'll go. Gotta love it. All right, so I'm up, right? Yep, okay. it's quiz time. Really? Yeah, we have to ask him about the library. All right. So speaking about the Merrick Library, when was the library founded? Okay, we have some fun stories about this, but the library was originally established in 1891. Wow. Don't we look great? (laughs) (laughs) Sash and all. In 1890, at the time, they charged $25 to join. That's a lot of money for back then. Yeah. Yeah. Then it became a public library, and in 1897, it moved to a small building that's just down the block from here. It's still standing? It's still standing, and it's called the wing the we actually still use it. Oh, you still own it? We still, well, the school owns it, but right, we have control yeah, over the, the building, thing, yeah. the same thing. So in 1939, the regents actually approved the library, because before that it was kind of in existence, but not approved by the state ed. 
1962, they built a building on this site where we're sitting now, mm -hmm. a very 60s building. But there were a lot of issues. Aside from everything being tight, there was a basement. And this is an area with a high water level. Mm -hmm. So the children's room was kind of moldy. <laughs> <laughs> And the whole downstairs, I didn't work here then, but I did come uh, when we were still in that old building, and there were sump pumps working, and it was the staff oh, wow. room was in the basement, and yeah. it was just really strange. And then there were, the rest of the building was pretty nice, though. It was a nice building, but they found that they outgrew it. There wasn't a possibility of expanding the technology, having a big children's room and everything. So they passed a bond, and that they passed the bond before I got here. When I got hired, I got hired before the building project. So the building, this was going to be demolished, the 1962 building, and we were going to go from scratch. So because we had the wing, we made this um, temporary plan. The working part of the library would move to the old wing. So we built a children's room, a reference room. Um, we had like a popular items, circulation, and it was really nice. Then we had administration and technical processing move to what was the old ticket booth under the railroad train. <laughs> so they had built this big building that was the new ticket booth, so uh -huh. we were the old. It's just like the ticket booth at any Long Island Railroad place. Wow. That's, that's tiny. It had to be tiny. Well, so this went... We, we started, I forgot when we moved exactly, it was around March, April. In August, we had a massive fire in the wing. It burnt, it, we lost everything in the wing. And as you know, when you go on vacation, you take your best stuff with you. We had our best stuff with us and we lost everything. So now we were at a loss. So within three days, we reopened everybody into the little ticket booth. <laughs> <laughs> the whole library was in the ticket. <laughs> the whole library. Wow. I went to, to Nassau Library System. They had some old furniture hanging around. We ordered some stuff within three days. We were only closed for three days. Wow. We reopened there. I drove. We drove trucks. We did whatever we had to do to get us open over there. And we had the best stories. Because when we redid it for administration and tech processing, we had kind of left some of the retro kind of um, effects. But here you have this huge, big, modern, pretty ticket booth. It never got old. People would come in. And even though on the door it said Merrick Library Express, can I have a round trip to Penn Station? <laughs> <laughs> and we just would die. Yes, you can here. We laughed because they were serious. It says library. There are books all around. You and can the, have that ticket <laughs> only if you get a library card. <laughs> it was crazy. And not only that, we had our staff meetings in the coffee shop in the corner because we didn't have space. I did so many interviews of people in that coffee shop. That's it was crazy. It was crazy. We made it an express, and we just really went for about a year and a half, I think it was, in that building. So that's where the discounted Long Island Railroad uh, ticket idea came from. <laughs> and let me tell you something. We knew the train schedule. I bet you did. <laughs> the worst was the pigeon poop. I have to say, oh, that was the worst. <laughs> you were just, it was all over the place. It was hysterical. It was really quite, everyone got very close. It made for a very tight-knit group. A little family yes. in there. Yeah. Yes. Wow, maybe a little too close. A family huh? of pigeons and a family of librarians. Yes. I hope they shut the windows. And what we did also is we opened commuter hours. We did this board 
which was and is a very supportive board. Mm -hmm. They committed to the staff not to lay anyone off during construction, which is amazing because yeah. a lot of places do. So what we decided to do was open at like seven Mm -hmm. for commuter hours so that we could make sure everybody had hours. So we did that while we were open under there, and it was really great. It really was a, a fantastic experience. I mean, it sounds crazy, and it was. It's like trial by fire, too. It was trial by fire. Truly. Cool. Yeah. Truly by fire. Truly right? by fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. more, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we moved into this building. Um, and then you stop talking to everybody. That's it. No, no, no. <laughs> I have. I can't sit. To, I'm all over the building. I never stay in my office. If you try to call me, you'll never get me. <laughs> so I'm usually all around. And if I'm needed here, I'll do the little check-in, check-out at the surf desk, whatever. We we have fun. We have a good time. You have to. Otherwise, you know. Oh, you have it's to. It's just a job then. Yeah. Have fun. No, we're, it's not it's like that. It's a good staff. Everybody, yeah. It's a great awesome service-driven staff. Mm -hmm. staff. Everybody gets along. We have the best time at events together we're very yeah. lucky yeah do we have to go back to Suffolk can we stay here there's <laughs> not that much going on well there's some stuff going on but we've got a lot this is pretty on. cool this is pretty cool <laughs> this is very do you guys need like a radio station we can yes, start here I'm all for it I'm in there. and you know we always talk about the difference I mean and for the people who don't people who listen to us who aren't from Suffolk County or Long Island or New York you know there's two the island is really four counties but we really we don't count Queens or Brooklyn right. because that's the city. So it's really just Nassau and Suffolk. And there is such a huge difference between Nassau County and Suffolk County. Nassau County is only, what, 13 miles long? Yeah, it's And like 12 so miles dense. wide. But there's so many people packed in where once you cross over the line into Suffolk, maybe not so much as it used to be, but it starts to spread out. Mm -hmm. So I think um, Ann Farrow over at uh, Levittown calls it God's country. Yeah, Marion Farrow. Yeah, Marion <laughs> she, she always jokes with me saying, oh, so how is it out in God's country? I'm like, it's not really God's country. We don't live on one of the forks or anything. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it really is interesting to see the difference between how Nassau does things and Suffolk does things. Because right. they, the, they do the same job, but there are certain aspects that are different. And whenever we do a podcast and we talk to somebody, like when we talk to the librarian in Black California, you know, they do the same thing, but they do it differently. Right. So there's more than one way to to do this job, and that's the fascinating thing about it as Absolutely. we do these podcasts. So tell me about the district, how big it is, how many people you serve. It is not a big district. Merrick is kind of divided in North Merrick, and we don't call it South Merrick, but it's called Merrick. So North Merrick actually has their own library, and like you're saying, the thing with Nassau County is there are libraries that are maybe two minutes apart from each other, but it's very different communities or they serve them differently. We have 18,000 people in our community, but it's a very um, active, library active community. They're very involved in the library. Do you see, because um, my experience with America was when I was a kid, um, so now being as old as I am now, uh, do you see that a lot of people, there are a lot more young people in Merrick than there used to be? Yes, absolutely. It's very popular, and there's a lot of turnover, and we have tons of kids and kids programming and interest That's great in the library. Really oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. We do have a lot, definitely. Wow. So, uh, you know, it really is impressive when we go from building to building to see how everybody does something differently in the way the buildings are laid out, and, you know, this building definitely has a wow factor. When you, uh -huh. when you walk in, you're like, thing I mean even architecturally with the with the with the metal roof as opposed to a shingled roof and it just has a different look and a different feel and as we walked around 
you know, you get a feel that it's almost like an open floor plan. Right. And, you know, you could see that it breathes and, and the library, you could, it just has a really good vibe to it when we walked in, right, Bob? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I agree. Yeah. yeah, we have a lot of college students coming down to study during the day or for whatever reason when they had the debates at Hofstra, mm -hmm. we had a lot of Hofstra students here and they would walk in and they'd look up to this place is great. <laughs> that is great. And they would go outside to the garden and they would sit there and study and have their lunch and then they would come back in. They loved it here. It really is a good vibe. Very welcoming. The other thing we did from the very get-go is, and this was again with the agreement of the board, I was really convinced that you have to let people eat and drink at a library. Mm -hmm. If you don't yeah. let them carry, I'm a coffee drinker. Yeah. If you don't want my coffee, I'm not coming. <laughs> and I right. found that the young professionals, and we have a lot of people who come to study for um, sergeant exams yeah. or the CPA exam, all those exams, the they want to bring a bagel. Yeah. They want to bring a nursing exams a lot. They yeah. want to bring a, a sandwich, a bagel, and a cup of coffee or a drink. So we allow it throughout the library. And it really makes a difference, I think, because people come and they feel that comfortable, like yeah. it's like your living room. You can sit here all day. You can have your coffee. You're not told to go here and there. Yeah, it well, works it, great. It, it really does. The, uh, the feeling of being policed, you know, or policing yes. them. Yes, right. Like, well, if I sit here with a bagel and I hide it, they won't see it, right? They ask me to leave. It's, it's breaking that stereotype. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that, it you is. Know, there's just a librarian behind a desk with the glasses on a chain, with a hair in a bun, with a pencil stuck in it, and shushing people and telling people no. And that's what why also it extended yeah. to the staff. If the public can have coffee and tea at their right. desks or whatever, the staff can too. And I think it makes it a more welcoming sight to see just a normal person yeah. at a desk with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, and you could it's approachable. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. And the staff is like that. It's a, it's a phenomenal staff. It's really. very comfortable. I mean, I, I've only been here a handful of times, I think, in the 20 years that I've been in libraries, but uh, it's very comfortable. It's more to me. It's more of a modern library, but it's very soft and. Thank very you. welcoming, very comfortable. Mm -hmm. We're proud of it. We're yeah, proud of that because that's what we aim to I think a piece of have. it is that, that all that, I, I guess, um, the word no that Chris just said. The culture of no. The culture of no is said all over. You know, And when you remove just a simple thing like having a bagel or a cup of coffee for both the staff and the patrons, that's the big like weight lifted off their shoulders and the shoulders of the staff that did that guy walk in with coffee or was it bottled water? Let's go check, you know, and you'll have you know have a team of people go and look and be like, oh, I think it's Dunkin' Donuts but Dunkin' Donuts. Call security. Is so and so here today? Because I don't feel comfortable approaching them about the bagel. Well you tell them no food and I'll tell them no drink. Okay, let's right. go. You know, it's like, like you know, it's this big thing about that'll really set a lot of people's day off. You know? yeah. and, and I see people struggle with that in many libraries where they still have that policy of watching people as they come in. They made it past Cirque, so Cirque's not doing their job. And that guy had a cup of coffee, and he's got a baby. So now we're writing up the people at Cirque. Yeah. We're going to tackle this guy to the ground and take his coffee but away. But it's so much more. And he's going to go to Starbucks, because yeah. it's much easier it's for the, him to right. sit in Starbucks yeah. and study there with wireless that he can have there, yeah. too. Or he can go to wherever, yeah. as opposed to being here, where we want them to feel comfortable. There are a lot of places that, that don't do that yet. Well, here's no. the big question. You know, so many libraries are anti-food, anti-drink. Yeah. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Well, when we started out, we thought, okay, we won't have it at the computers. Mm -hmm. And then we let go with that, too, because right. the truth of the matter is, do you know where they spill? On the keyboard. In On the multi-purpose room the multi where you have <laughs> yeah. programming, and it's your coffee that you're putting up for the program. That's where they spill. We have been doing this for over 10 years. 
everybody comes in, there's a top on their coffee. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you. I drink coffee a couple times a day. Yeah. I don't spill it. <laughs> not, not a normal basis, no. no. And, and yeah. people so, walking in aren't bringing their ceramic mug from home. Right. right. You know, right. something with a lid on top That's and right. a cup warm holder all, thingy. and. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I mean, if they do spill it, a little bit gets out. It's not like they drop, unless the lid pops off, but even so, that, you know, Stanley Steamer. Right. We get our carpets cleaned. We have a carpet cleaner, but Mm -hmm. really, we don't have, you know, people worried about bugs and this and that. We have a great cleaning staff. We don't have a big cleaning staff. We have one full timer and two part timers. And I'm telling you that everyone comments about how clean the place is. And it hasn't affected anything except the comfort level of the people coming here. I think the assumptions are just, if, well, if we allow coffee and drink, they're just gonna, they're just gonna throw everything everywhere. Just, right. You know, keep it like they That's do. That's the nothing. assumption. That's and exactly right. And I think right. it's, it's not like that. It's you not. Know, when you Although when up, they come in with an egg sandwich and I'm sitting well, there, might, I yeah, get, yeah, my stomach starts growling. bring you That's right. the <laughs> Well, when they start, <laughs> you know, having things delivered, we've kind of drawn the lines. <laughs> the Domino's guy comes in and like, we, we have pizza and sushi delivered. Yeah. We've had sushi delivered. Would the gentleman who ordered sushi <laughs> please come to the circulation desk? And then just chastise him for not including you in the order. That's it. That's right. I have to ask, did you get any pushback from your janitorial staff at all? Because I've seen places that you know deal with that, too. No. Okay. When I first came here, and I don't want to make it all about me because it's really the staff, but when I first came here, I'll never forget my first staff meeting. I said to people, if you don't like change you're going to be very unhappy (laughs) because everything I do is like throwing something against a wall. If it works, we're not surgeons. I'm not cutting off an arm. You're not cutting off off an arm. We'll all make mistakes. We'll make mistakes together. If it succeeds, it does. If it doesn't, we go on. And I think that because of that, some people left. Some people were not comfortable with that type. And it's okay because I said it's like jumping in a pool. Some people have to make sure they have a towel. My theory is you jump in the pool, you come out. If the towel's there, fine. If not, you're going to dry off eventually. So it's the same type of thing. And the staff that we've developed here is like that. And they're so hardworking. And they really give so much of themselves. But they're also brilliant in their ideas. Come up with things that I would never have thought about. And it's just, it's wonderful to see. And you're giving them the freedom to do that. Just go with it. Yeah. Go with it. And I guess part of that is because you have a, such a supportive board, right? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Absolutely. So top down. We've talked about this before. Sure. Boards, early, boards will make or break a lot. Our earlier sometimes. podcasts, we talk about this a lot, where the board really kind of sets the tone. You know, if, if they make the director feel uncomfortable, then the director's kind of like, well, you know. But here it sounds like you're very comfortable and the staff's very comfortable and the board's supportive. And very. That's, that's the mix that makes it work. Absolutely. Because then it trickles down to everybody else. Yeah. And I think also when you move people along trying to promote from within, mm-hmm. you give opportunities. Mm-hmm. And not to put down or insult anyone with unions, but we're non-union. And that makes a difference because the board is supportive of merit raises. Right. When we use um, our American Express to purchase things, we get um, gift cards and if someone does something really great, we give a gift card. Yeah. So it's there's incentives to That's really great. work other like, than just so a pat guys, on the back. If two guys come in from the outside and do a great <laughs> podcast. They, they already said they, they, don't, they promote <laughs> from the inside. We're dead. There's no chance. Just well, just an coming. announcement, an announcement, because as of yeah. January 1st, this young lady next to me, and I'm thrilled to announce, will oh. be my assistant director. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. 
So from trainee training. to assistant director. I started here as a trainee. And wow. Yeah, that is amazing. Say. But I will That's still fantastic. call you when I screw up the. I know, I know <laughs> you will. Just it's <laughs> not good. Changing my extension. Are we the official announcement of that? I, I guess so. Yes. This podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. That's great. Congratulations. That is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about technology and all the great stuff that's happening here at Merrick. So we will be back in just a moment. We're back. Uh, we're with uh, the Merrick Public Library's director, Ellen Fire. 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 Okay. It's uh, it better the first time. I know. <laughs> Along with Reader's Advisory and Reader's Advisory. Oh God, I'm doing it again. Reader's Advisory Librarian Carol Antak. Hello. And Technology Librarian, and soon director. to be assistant, assistant director. director. Thank you. Marisa Crowley. That's right. Fantastic. So Bob, why don't you uh, start? Why don't with I do that? Why don't, why don't you do that? Why don't I'll do number one. <laughs> tell us about the making technology that, oh, sorry. Tell us about the quote-unquote making technology that you have here at Merrick. You can expand on this open question. Well, we have a makerspace, the Walter Mintz Digital Media Center. Which is really cool. We um, took a tour before, and it's really impressive. We, um, it used to be a storage area, and we turned it into a makerspace when uh, we thought we needed room for it. We have Mac computers in there. We used to have four, now we have three. And we have three MakerBot 3D printers in there. Um, and also a cricket. Is it cricket uh, or cricket. Cricut? Yeah. Cricket. 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 Um, so that's that's the equipment that's always in there. Do you love the cricket? Do I love it? I love what it can do. I'm not really a crafty person myself, <laughs> but I the things it can do is pretty cool. I've heard nothing but wonderful things. <laughs> it is great. We have people who are really crafty yes, and they do such the great craft, stuff, yeah. but I also have no craftability I no, whatsoever. Yeah. I'm I love it. But, nope, um, no cricket. <laughs> Um, but I, you know, we have the 3D printers, and we started out with one, and now we have three. That's a very popular um, item. We also have um, three doodlers, 3D doodlers. That okay. We don't leave out in the makerspace, but the children's room has them in their programming. Um, Are they first gen or second gen? Both. Actually, we order, We kept moving up. That's the item we had gotten when we first saw it on Kickstarter. It wasn't even out in the market, and we saw it. The best story we have is when we first went to MakerBot, Marisa could tell you, because we had a very important stop after we went to the factory. There was no store yet, right? Right. 
when we went to Brooklyn. To oh, Borom Hill. Yes, we had to stop at the, um, to get the soup dumplings on the way home. <laughs> flushing. <laughs> so flushing <laughs> was not really on the way back from Borom Hill, but we, we went with that yeah, tech Borum person. Yeah, Borom Hill to Flushing to Merritt. <laughs> Wait, I see the letter Z. <laughs> well, we brought our tech person who's also can't say enough about Michael Chu, and he kept talking about these soup dumplings. So all through Borum Hill, we were fascinated what we saw with what we saw there, but we were so excited to leave and go. Yes, and <laughs> to head up to Flushing to get your so, yeah, dumplings. and they were great. And Mike, Mike and I talk all the time about where else can we go take a field trip in that direction. <laughs> Notice it's not going east. <laughs> Our next podcast. Well, there's no soup Flushing. dumplings out in Suffolk. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You're taking the Nassau guy's side, man. <laughs> Just saying. You live to a podcast in Flushing. Soup dumplings. See, I guess, well, when you're in Flushing, I guess you got it, right? Okay. Whatever. I'm the down. other thing I think is really interesting, if you want to talk a little bit, Marisa, because mm -hmm. um, you and Jill had originally come up with the idea of the book, the mm -hmm. sample book, and how that works so well with the making. Sure. So when somebody comes in and they want to use a 3D printer, they have a, they have a few options. They, we created a catalog of objects that are, um, we tested the prints, and they're loaded onto a USB or, a, or an SD card. We have mm -hmm. two different generations of uh, MakerBots. One of them prints from an SD card, and the other one from a USB drive. So we have this catalog, and the files are just saved onto the disks. And you can flip through a book that we created with the pictures. It tells you how long it takes Excellent. to print, and they can just pop it in and print it. We, if if it's a you know a younger person that has never printed before, they usually just want to see something print, and that's what they do at first. And then they keep coming back, and um, they get tired of the things that are in our catalog. So then they go on to Thingiverse, and they find something in their catalog in uploaded on Thingiverse, you know, that they want to print, they go through the steps. Um, we've printed out directions that are posted on every computer in there. So we have MakerWare downloaded on the on the Macs in there. And they convert their file. They we give them a flash drive or an SD card to save it on if they don't have one. Mm -hmm. And then they they go through all the steps to convert the file and they print it themselves. That's pretty cool. And then the third option is for anyone who knows how to use 3D modeling software, they can use SketchUp or Blender, which is downloaded on our computers, or they can use a web-based like Tinkercad or AutoCAD. Um, we do have we have had a few um, college students that are engineering majors uh -huh. or something like that come in with with stuff that they have designed and they they printed it here. Isn't that exciting? Mm -hmm. That's when you get the engineering engineering mm -hmm. students come in. It's so exciting. Mm -hmm. When we first did this, every, I can't tell you, everybody kept asking me, why are you getting 3D printers? Mm -hmm. It was so early. It, we, we were very yeah. early. And we're going to talk about that in a second, so yeah. don't, don't spill the beans. I won't spill the beans. It's already out there. <laughs> I know it is. But, but we did. We had those students from Stony Brook who came. Yes. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Stony, okay. Stony Brook? <laughs> yes. They Stony came Brook. Here. I want their names and I want their <laughs> phone numbers. And if you gave them if you gave them temporary cards, we're going to have a problem. They had temporary cards. Stony they would better be Nassau County residents. <laughs> I know one of them was for sure. Yes. And they made the knee replacement, um, the ball that goes in the knee. For, and so they were making these mock-ups. Is it Stony Brook in your district? <laughs> My mic's not working. <laughs> Can you hear me? Is that? All right. Yeah. Hmm. Did you get any visits from Sage and Wallenberg? I don't know about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Truthfully, every almost every library on Long Island has come at some point to this library to yeah. see the to see what we've done. Some have gone on, like it, you interviewed Levittown, and they've done a beautiful makeup. Oh, it's space. amazing over there. It's amazing. They had a lot more square footage. They gave us a lot of ideas for Sachem yeah. as well. Yeah, it's yeah. really great. It really is. Bob's giving me a look because I said the name Sachem. Say Sachem again. This is the game that he plays. He has to say Sachem at least 11 times during the podcast. You should have told us we would have made it a drinking game. That's for you. Oh, we're doing a second interview here. We're totally switching the whole vibe up. Dumping sushi drinking games. It's a good podcast. This is a good one. Buckle up, kids. <laughs> what would you like to add to your library space? Oh, we'll get to that. You're jumping ahead. Okay. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. So I think Merrick also needs to wear the badge of the bravest library yeah. in on Long Island because you jumped into Kickstarter. Now, for those of you who are listening who don't know what Kickstarter is, it's when a company is trying to develop a product, and there's a website called Kickstarter, and they ask people for donations, and in return, they either get a discount on the product that they're making, or they get a free one, or something happens where you get a perk for doing that. How did you get that past the board? Because that's such a risky thing. It's a risky thing, but they know that we take risks, and they're good with that. They're good with that. That is great. Supportive, because they see what is happening and how popular things are and bring and it brings the community in. But it's your vision. You explain why it's going to be useful, right, why right. it's going to be helpful, what the plan is, and I think they just jumped at it. Yeah, yeah. They were very, you know, it's been a lot of support all around. That's it's, it. And what was your Kickstarter that you jumped in with? That was the 3D, the, the three doodlers. Oh, no, the three doodlers. The, the MakerBot, it was after I heard to give credit to Fayetteville Library near Syracuse yep. and Sue Considine. I had done some reading about it, and I was reading on and on about it and the potential. And it's so funny, just a few years later, yeah. the it's difference funny. it's made in medicine, yeah. dental, you know, yeah. all kinds of things. Absolutely. It's amazing. Chocolate. Chocolate. I'm, I'm looking for one now. I can't find one that's really on the market. I mean, there, there's one that no, I saw that they was... No, it's like in England, I think, and I don't think it's here yet, because Marianne was, from Livertown was looking for it, too. We both were looking. We said if there is one, we're getting it. And that was yeah. one, that's actually a funny thing. It's like a friendly competition, because if I get it before she does, if our library gets it first, she's going to hate me. It's going to be dark chocolate. Oh, it could be any chocolate. It could be any chocolate, yeah. It could be white chocolate. It could be anything. You could switch yeah. it up. When when we first got the MakerBot, it was the original MakerBot. It looked like the prototype. It was in a wooden <laughs> box. And wow. It had a dual extruder. Wow. People were like, what is that? Is that a record player? Like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and the, the software was not as easy to use right. as it is now. So, you know, it's come a long way. And you had to level it, too, right? We had to what? You had to level it, yes. too. Yes. Manually yeah, level manually, it. Manually, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ugh. But the other thing is, Marisa did a great job in making sure every librarian is trained. See, we have a team media desk up here, but every reference librarian staffs both the reference desk and or the team media desk. And one of the basics here was the training. And it's the same thing with the cricket. Everyone is expected to know. Again, you don't have to know a Tinkercad or Blender, mm -hmm. but you should know how to go into the thing of Earth, download a, something. You know, Marisa, you explain because you've been doing the training for a while now. Um, yeah, we have um, 
training for staff just so they, they know how to troubleshoot common problems that come up. You should know how to save a file from Thingiverse onto your drive, put it in the MakerBot. If you know the file doesn't show up, you should have some kind of an idea why it's not showing up. It, um, you don't know. You don't have to know how to code. You don't have to know how to go into the right. you know into the background. You know, um, but everyone should just know how to be helpful for things that are going to come come up repeatedly. We we don't expect you to create something originally in, in SketchUp, um, or even be able to help someone who's doing 3D modeling. That's kind of beyond what we do. But just to be able to use the equipment that we have. Mm -hmm. is what we strive for, just well, to get someone started. It makes sense. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you have librarians that aren't able to, you know, work with these things, it's the same thing as if you had a librarian who didn't know anything about Reader's Advisory. That's right. Or any other research skill or any other technical skill that maybe you didn't learn in library school, but I would, I would venture to guess that this is something that's going to be taught in, in library school mm -hmm. because this is the future of libraries and well, it makes we, sense. Well, we say Carolyn's Reader's Advisory Librarian, but really we don't have those titles. Right. That's kind of a made-up thing. Yeah. We give it to her because she's the queen of book discussions. Her last yeah. book discussion had like 40 people. I've We're never seen an now. afternoon <laughs> book discussion. But she, she melds technology. Yeah. First of all, she knows the maker bot, knows all that. But the way she melts technology with her book discussions, you can talk about the YouTube clips, the Skype. Well, the we do a multimedia do. presentation. So if I don't have the author come in or if I have the author coming in via Skype or through FaceTime, mm -hmm. there's still a, a multi-platform presentation that goes on. I'll bring in the audio book. I'll have videos from YouTube. I do my own PowerPoint that's, that's interactive. Amazing. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. And With it's, the author. Yeah. When the author comes, the, just the beginning of this month, we had author Charles DeBow come, and I had 49 people here wow. for him. Mm -hmm. So the patrons were happy, the author was happy, and we were happy. Yeah, <laughs> Tell them about the the author that just contacted you. Oh, the an author contacted me to do a book discussion because she was friends with another author who had Skyped here and said how great, what a great time she had. And then another publicist contacted me and said, my other friend said, you guys had this group. And That's genius. So it's just become this nice, yeah, they're happy. If I get them for an hour and a half, they're taking their time out of their day to come and visit us. I'm going to guarantee that they have a great time while they're with me. She's very entertaining. <laughs> She's the one that's going to steal my board. Yes, I'm already figuring it out. She's planning on doing podcasts yep. for Reader's Advisory. We've discussed it. And I mean, but that's a great tie-in to get yeah. people in for yes. book clubs. You know, and you may even be able to pull in the elusive, you know, that, that rare animal that, that doesn't come to the libraries at 20-somethings and 30-somethings. That's a great way to pull them in. The last book discussion we had, I had, I would say, about six or seven, that 35 to 45, you know, my age, that group. <laughs> Don't laugh that hard. No, that group, which was nice to see. And I asked them, why are you here? How did you hear about it? And they said, well, my mother-in-law told me or my father-in-law, because now we're getting more and more men to come in, oh, which is great. Right. And they had a whole different dimension to oh, the totally. book discussion. Right? It's not your mom's book discussion. <laughs> That's right. Well, how did you, what's the word, way I'm, I'm going to phrase this question? How did you get the idea to to get the authors involved? I just called them yeah. or emailed them. And you got a response. What's your rate of response from that? Is it pretty high? <laughs> right now it's 100%. <laughs> so. 
I think it's, it started also with like Adrian Trajani because we had her here for one of the legislative breakfasts that we hosted, mm-hmm. and she offered Skype. And I think we might have. St- I wasn't here for that, right? So but I, don't, I think it was right. before you came, and we started to think about yeah. it. But when Caroline came, she took the program. Went crazy with it. And but that's also a credit to, again, it's Ellen, the board, who right. I say, I want to do this. I want to make it multimedia. And I would, you know, I just want to make sure it's okay to do this. Sure. Um, and they're like, do whatever you she want. She says an hour and a half. These people don't want to leave. They're I there mean. for two hours. <laughs> yeah. And Easy. I always tell the author, you don't have to, don't worry, you yeah. give me the right. high sign, right. I'll get you out. But then the authors stay and they have a good time. Yeah. So they're here for two hours. That is, that is really cool. Two hours. It's a great idea. And I don't use a microphone either. (laughs) 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 The voice carries to the 50 people in the room. And you wear the sash when you do it, right? (laughs) I'm going to find the sash. I forgot about the sash. The sash is in every question. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Number 13, do you have a sash? (laughs) Excuse me. And what color is the sash during Rita's advisory? It's a mood sash. It changes. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's a trademark, patent-pending mood sash. Yeah, right. but we, I think we're really fortunate because we have not only merit patrons, but patrons are coming from other libraries. And you allow that. That's okay. Oh, yeah. we Like Ellen says, we don't really say no. We'll go. You should come. It's we really, come. I do guarantee a, you will have a, a good fun time. time. <laughs> you will we, have can, a good can we bring time. the microphones and set you up can, You can. You can. From the back of the room, sure. We'll, we'll bring a bus from, from Suffolk. You can do it. You can do it. We won't be able to hug back. <laughs> Close the border. Close, they Close the border. The state police will meet us on the Southern State Parkway. <laughs> Don't worry, we're not building a wall. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> See, we were going to say that, but they're going to stop us at Pine Lawn Road yeah, and build a wall right in front of us. <laughs> exactly. You guys are in Nassau now. You're on your own. I wow. had a patron from another library say, I don't, don't tell anybody that I'm here. I'm from such and such a library. I said, why is it a, yeah, I feel like I'm cheating on them. I'm like, listen, <laughs> it's what happens in book discussion stays Stay in book right. discussion. <laughs> You're fine. So many podcasts we could do right here. Oh, God. <laughs> this is great. You know, it's just funny. It actually feels like a radio studio because you have the window yes. looking outside. It's a nice long table. This, this is actually a great room for podcasting. Good. <laughs> Like it. Oh, let me guess. You're making mental notes. You don't even have to write it down. <laughs> Is it a sash or a cape? Are you like it's super librarian sash. or what? It's like a Miss America. Like both. The sash turns into a cape. Don't you know? Unbelievable. Okay, so I'm getting back on track. Where were we? There's something about 3D printing. Putting putting the sash in our back pocket for a for minute. Now. Um, so. You guys, is this true? You were the first library on the island to have a 3D printer? Yes. Is this true? That is true. That's really cool. Absolutely. Nobody had it That's first. called vision. Yeah. With or without the sash. Right. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I went on so many times to the exactly. sash show. Send him the sash. Oh, my gosh. Be done with this. Okay, okay. So tell me how that happened. You just said, let's get one? Yeah. Seriously, yeah. I said to Mike and to Marisa, let's go. Uh, the soup dumplings weren't at that point on the table. And I said, let's just go. We said we're not going if we're not getting soup right, dumplings. Right. So. But we went, that that's what they said. But <laughs> well, I found out the factory was in Borum Hill. When I had yeah. looked up and heard something about it, and I started looking into MakerBot, and I found out they were in Borum Hill. So when we went in, we were so amazed. At the time, they showed us they had the... Um, 
camera shots of different exhibits at um, one of the museums that they were printing. They printed chess sets and all different kinds of things. I just saw that it would be something so interesting to offer. And it does mesh with all our mission Mm -hmm. of information, of bringing to the community things that are new, things that might become important, and it, it did. Again, it's a gamble. It was a gamble, but sure. I, but it, in this case, I think it was a good gamble. It's People thought gamble. I was crazy. What was that? A, what was the initial investment when you went and bought the first? I think it was only like seventeen hundred at the time. It I believe was. it was seventeen hundred dollars. But we were very well, not lucky in one way. But um, one of the presidents of the board, Walter Mintz, he had been here a long time. He was very instrumental in getting this building done, mm-hmm. and he was a brilliant man. I mean, like a surrogate father to me. And I just had a great relationship with him. He would come in regularly and talk to me. I mean, we had one strange periodical that was because he wanted some, oh, I can't even remember the name now, but he was so smart with everything and a real gentleman. Unfortunately, he um, passed away. And when he did, his family wanted to do something. And we got a lot of donations. And that's really how we got the media center and mm-hmm. it was something to me very special and we have his picture in there in a plaque cool. and when we had the opening his whole family came and it was really special because he was a special human being with a vision and the building would never have happened without his vision and his and his wife Sandy's hard work on the phones and really pushing for the bond and everything and like I said he was a very unique special individual so it's so gratifying to have been able to honor him Mm. with the room in his name, but the concept of the room, the forward thinking, he's, he was just an amazing man. Yeah. And it was wonderful to work with him for the time that I had with him. And the vision lives on? Every and the vision Absolutely. lives on. Oh, and it's mm-hmm. packed every weekend. I mean, mm-hmm. you yeah. can't get in. There's yeah. so many people using it. Adults, their kids, the nephew, yeah. the niece, the grandchildren. And that kind of solves the mystery of how do you get people in. Right. Absolutely. And Just wait for the page. Continue. Welcome to the library. Get out. (laughs) I can't stay past nine. But that's what's so great about what Marisa had come up with and Jill with the book that gives you. It's kind of like choosing your your birthday cake, you know, and you pick out the design. That is a great idea. It's just got all the different things you can make, so you don't have to be so. You don't have to know how to do it. You can. It makes the kids and the adults, they've created something. And just watching it happen, it's terrific. Right? It takes a lot of the struggle away. Right. It's very. What do you make? I don't know. What do you want to make? I don't know. Let's go to You want to make a frog? I don't know if I want to make a frog. And it's overwhelming for the people. They walk in, they see this thing working, and they're just like, I couldn't possibly print anything or come up with anything. Mm -hmm. And here you have it. Right. If nothing else, it breaks the ice. Yeah. Right. Probably for adults as well who don't understand the concept. We do have programming based on it, too. We started programming. We did some adult programming. But our main focus, we have a lot of kids. And the kids come in. We have what's called um, 3D Buddies. So we have teen volunteers. Our teen librarian had transformed most of the teen services into a volunteer opportunities, which is fantastic mm-hmm. for community service. Sure. So we have the teens come in. The teens are stationed. They're trained beforehand by our librarians. They're, tra- they're stationed on the devices, and they help instruct the children to create the project. Mm-hmm. So each month is a theme. So with 3D Buddies, they've had successful themes like Harry Potter, Minecraft, superheroes, Pokemon. And then they make things related to that. Half the group is on the 3D printers. Half the group is with the three doodlers. And it's 
we do this on a regular basis. And then we turned around now, because I have, again, great children's staff. They weren't available tonight to come in. I wish they could have come too, because they're amazing. But they also came up with a STEAM program. So now they're doing each month a STEAM program where it's called Full Steam Ahead. And um, they do everything. The, the first session was boo bubbles with a funnel and dry ice and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And during the technology session last month, they had an introduction to robotics through the use of the little bits. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing we do. I'll just say to the children's librarians, you know, what's new? Let's buy it. So that's whether it's Ozobots or little bits, and we just do it. And they come up with the programming. So they're so, that's what I'm saying, they're so fantastic. Because they come up with the ideas, and it, it just makes it better. And, you know, as far as that, one of the, just to say, training is constant because mm -hmm. I sent someone, a children's librarian, who's worked with the little bits yeah. to a program on robotics. And this is her words, why I think training is so important. She said, well, I do feel like I already knew how to use the little bits. I feel that I learned how to explain little bits in a more complex way to kids and how to make kids think beyond the project to how they would use the technology in everyday life. And that oh, was so, great. this is, you know, when they go to programs, they usually do a little report. And I always ask for, you know, just summaries or bullets. It doesn't sure. have to be, a, you know. But to me, that's what it's all about. Yeah. The training has to continue. Because even though you think you know it, there's always more. Yeah. And we're big on sending if, you know, there's programming. I think all of you, how many programs do you have coming up each? Oh, my gosh. A lot. <laughs> I just went to one on a, on a makerspaces, and we've had a makerspace for a long time, <laughs> right, but I was like, maybe, maybe something new. new. Right. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. maybe they had another idea. Sure, and that's, that's the whole thing, too. And when we go to other libraries, sure, we see something, we'll make, or make a note and write that down. Maybe we could do something like that. Right. And, you know, the one thing that people who are outside the library world don't understand, who live in that competitive world where everything is trade secret, I mean, you know that from being in corporate, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a certain amount of flattery involved with taking other libraries ideas and running with them like mm -hmm. we took a bunch of things from you know that Levittown was doing that was successful and we, we implemented it over at Sachem I said the word be quiet um, where's the wine <laughs> just making a note of it <laughs> make another note Number you got another tick four. there right okay. you know it and it, it's nice because other libraries now see what we're doing and they're yes. kind of doing it and it's it and again as I said before every library can do have the same game plan but do it differently so it's not plagiarism it's not stealing it's it's almost like an homage and ultimately it's for the patron that's right, right? Yeah. so it has nothing to do with competition you're exactly. getting the people in you're giving them what they want you're showing them that you're there for them right. in any capacity that's right and what we do i think sharing is part of who we are i think it's collaborating sharing in Nassau, I'm the chair of, well, of the chair of the member library directors, but I'm also chair of the reinvention committee. Okay. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to be ahead of the game, but sure. it's a bunch of directors trying to make sure that we're offering everything to everyone. I mean, we created a technology committee that was, you know, we knew we had to do yeah. more with that to get, like you said, to get the directors on board because sure. it comes from there too. It yeah. could come from the bottom. It could come from the top. Wherever it comes. You want it, and the basis of it all is the customer service. That's what it's all about. You could have the best technology, but if you have people who say no or people who aren't willing to get up, the staff gets up, it's not a point. It, it's not pointing to anything. You know, someone's at the computer, they're sitting at the reference desk, the person needs help, they get up, they go over, they need to come up here, 
to help, they come up here. It's patron it's service. It's what patron it is. Patron service. It's it's yeah. the whole story comes down to satisfying the community, and being there for the community. That's what we're here for. And the technology is just a tool. That's yeah. never the ultimate goal. It's right. just the tool to help us get there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's another resource. Absolutely. So, oh, I dropped my pen. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I'll take the next one. So, I'll take the next one. You were also the first RFID library in Nassau. Is that right? Yes, it is. Okay. It's very funny. We were the first RFID library, and I'm going to give all credit that to the board previous to me because when I came here, they had already planned RFID. Walter, who I had spoken of, had gone to a program at Harvard on library buildings, and he came back with a lot of ideas. And they would go to conferences and come up with some ideas. So they were already set on RFID. I had to select, and I selected Bibliotech at the time because I didn't want the security cases. Right. I had a big bugaboo about having to have security cases, and they had the stingray oh, yeah. tags right. that you could just put right out on the shelf because I hate that whole thing yeah. with the unlocking and the whole business. Yeah. So we went with Bibliotheca. About five years later, the consortium, which, you know, with Nassau Library System, Alice is the mm -hmm. circulation consortium decided to get into it, and they called five libraries the pilot libraries. We had solved all the problems. Right. We had worked it all out. Everything. We had already been doing it for five years. Yeah. We were not the pilot library, but for some reason they were. But as a result, any NASA library who goes on RFID right. takes Bibliotheca, basically, right. at this point to get the consortium pricing and all that. Yeah. Smart choice. They do it right. They do a great, great job. Okay, so tell us about some of the other technology, quote unquote, risks uh, that you've taken and are considering in the future. I, I saw that you, you lend out Roku sticks. Yeah, I think we might have been the first in Nassau to lend out Roku. Um, some other libraries are doing it across the country that I looked into what, you know, I looked into what they were doing before I started the program. Um, but it's been very popular, the lending of the Roku, and it, it's really easy to set up and do, and patrons really love it. Um, we also circulate e-readers and um, tablets that are preloaded with um, books that we actually Caroline and I discuss before we choose her being the reader's advisory guru. And um, we have some bestsellers, some yeah. just hot items. Mm -hmm. Right, usually titles that are high in demand because it's just like another way that they can get to it. Well, let me ask you, in because in Suffolk County. Um, you guys have overdrive here at NASA yes. too. Is my, are these overdrive titles, or are they titles that you purchase that are outside of the? We purchase these titles. Um, we have Kindles, Nooks, and Nexus tablets, so we purchase from both Amazon and Barnes and Noble and load it onto the device. Okay. I mean, there is overlap between what's on overdrive and what we purchase separately, but mm -hmm. right. sometimes it's just a, one of those high demand titles. Mm -hmm. And right. even though there's a backlog for overdrive, we can say, oh, here, here's an e reader. Mm -hmm. Take this instead. Yeah. And then I was just telling Marisa the story the other day. Some woman borrowed an e reader for her book discussion and read two other books that were on the device and wow. then told her friends. And then they came in and took out the devices. So That's they didn't have to wait. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys planning anything to expand the Roku lending? So are you thinking about like Netflix and bridging that thing or anything like no, that? No, we haven't, we haven't thought about anything else. Okay. Because it's popular what we have. And we did create children's Roku's. Roku, yeah. So that wow. two of them are all children's movies, right? Is yes, it two? Well, it's, um, <laughs> it's two. We started out with one adult Roku, then we added a second. Now we have four. And then the children's 
uh, room added one, and then they added a second. So now we have six, two for children's and So you're purchasing, and purchasing like independent video titles and whatnot for children's and stuff like that, right? Or um, right. Okay, that's cool. That's a great idea. It is an excellent idea. Okay. I think I'm up. I think you're up, Bob. So how do you handle funding for your technology, and does it have its own budget, or does it borrow from other departments of the library based on where it's deployed? It has its own funding. Okay. Uh, we look at all the budget lines. When I do the budget, I give reports to every department head monthly for every line they're responsible for, so they keep up on what's happening with the budget. When it comes time, like now, to start working on the next one, I ask the department heads in for their input to tell me where they think they want more, where they think we can cut, and we do it that way. But we've been constantly upping the line on ebooks without cutting really the print books because we have high circulation for our community. And I'm not ready, the community's not ready to do that, but we want to be able to offer more ebooks. So we started the Advantage program through Overdrive, having mm -hmm. our own copies pretty early on. So we, we've upped. The amount of, in the budget for ebooks, we've upped for electronic equipment. Um, everything is regularly budgeted for, so that. And then I had um, asked the board for a technology reserve, so that we know that we can keep up on technology. That's really good because instead of chasing technology, you're keeping up with it and keeping mm -hmm. pace with it. We hope to we'll stay on top as stay much as you can. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it changes it's all always the time. changing, but you try oh, to yeah. keep up the best you can. And we, we have, like I said, a wonderful tech. Yeah. We should oh, get a group yeah. of our board members from Suffolk County to come out here. <laughs> <laughs> you lead the way, Chris. <laughs> from Sage? Sage. Oh, from anywhere. Drink. All of Suffolk County. <laughs> <laughs> All of Suffolk County. Cheers. Together. I love it. That's a little thing. So we, we were talking before about how the librarians are trained in all the different technology. How do you take you know, as a strategy, you know, in planning and integrating, you know, not just that, but everyday librarianship, and we were talking about that a little bit earlier, and and integrating the technology into that, you know, and it's more than just um, 3D printing and all that other stuff, just everything that happens with the, with the librarians, how did you get buy-in from them? Because sometimes you get some older librarians who really aren't interested and never really want to touch this stuff. How do you get them interested and motivated and excited and getting them involved with the whole thing and integrating with the traditional version of library services and, in, and pushing that into the technology end of things? I think when I first came here, there were very few full-timers. It was run in a very strange way, and there were very few full-timers. So I had the benefit of growing a staff and looking for the type of people that had a certain way of looking at things. And I was very lucky to have those people available. I will tell you with civil service, we had people move to Merrick to get the job. Marisa is one of them. She had moved to Merrick because to go through and navigate that list, we do have it's difficult. Um, local priority yeah. right so I've had quite a few of the staff like, move, move no to Merrick <laughs> yeah if they wanted the job and that worked but a lot of training as I told you we like to promote and yeah. we like to promote from within if we see someone is in that framework so even getting a trainee we try to get a trainee into this culture right away we've hired this last year or two we've hired three trainees to be full-time librarians wow. so we're constantly looking for that but 
we have different ages on the staff and I'm always saying it's not age I mean I'm not young it's not age it's approach like you said so it's it's the people you're looking for we're interviewing now for part-timer and a sub position there's a type of person who's willing to change willing to try willing to learn mm -hmm. and I've been lucky enough with turnover to be able to develop most of the staff that way yeah. I and was the ones a sub that when don't. We got here. I was a sub living in Merrick. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it was just, it was a great progression for me. It was very right. lucky. I was very fortunate. And I think when people work here, they sense what's, right. you know, and if it, we had one recently, I will tell you, she left. It's not for everybody. And that's right. okay. Because it's and a lot. Okay. It's yeah. great yeah. because we have high expectations. Mm -hmm. We do, of what's expected, of the base, of what a librarian does. Mm -hmm. And we expect a lot. But you get a lot, and there's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of, um, like like we said, you know, we have a holiday party coming up. We have a star just a crazy time, crazy. <laughs> you know, and not just suitable for radio. We'll have to have no. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's not a whole suitable other. for radio, right? You have our email address. <laughs> but what we do, we have a good time because, like you said, that's what it's about. Sure. You know, we're all here so many hours of the day. Nobody wants to make anyone miserable. Nobody wants to make anyone unhappy. Yeah. You work together, it makes it so much better. And you make everyone else look good. Yeah. You know, they look, make each other look good. They make me look good. Yeah. That's look what, what it's look about. Look what the patrons get for it. I mean, oh, the ultimate winner is the staff. And the yeah, staff well, that's, staff that's, the that's all. The goal is always the patron. Yeah, that's, that's the right. goal. And, and that's I, what they get they, because they feel that coming in here. And they become friendly. You see them really get involved yeah. with the librarians mm -hmm. at, you know, they make close relationships here. I really feel that. Sure, absolutely. I've had people say that they, like some seniors, they're you know ready to move away from Merrick, but they won't move because of the library. Yeah, that makes sense. That is true. Right? And they will come, they'll come here in the rain, they come in the snow, they come under <laughs> construction. construction. <laughs> and I still had 42 people that day, and we yeah. were under construction. Yeah. Wow. So That's it's impressive. The lights yeah. out in the parking lot. <laughs> That's right, they're still showing up. <laughs> I have the, um, we did, we've been um, updating our website recently, and I was just looking at the Google Analytics of our current website to see the most popular articles, and number four was the construction update. Really? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> traffic code. That's funny. That's so great. That's a good lead into number uh, number eight, Chris. Sure. So it, it all takes a, a, it says a bit of mindset change, but I, I got to say it takes a big mindset change when it comes to traditional librarianship and um, so did you have to create you kind of answered it already create yeah. a new mindset with the employees and how did you get staff to embrace the new technologies and it's it's funny that you focused on um, it not being for everyone and that being okay you know, right. if, they, if they come and they work and it doesn't work out it, it's okay it's, it's okay for them, so. and they might want to go to a more traditional place where yeah. you you know sit more <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> we don't sit here and we just don't everybody's all over the place it's yeah. a, it's exciting and yeah. I think that you know like I said it's not for everyone but a lot of people enjoy that atmosphere yeah. where things change some people that's too much they want the yeah. established like you said a traditional thought of just yeah. you know these are the rules I always say that with policies too sometimes that yeah. that bothers some of the staff you know we'll look at a policy and say why are we doing this and you know we did that recently we realized with um new DVDs. Right. We made them reservable a while ago, so you could reserve new DVDs just at patrons. And if someone returned it and said, oh, I didn't watch it yet, can I take it again? We'd say, well, 
go upstairs and see if there's another no, copy. copy. You can't take this and then one. you can take that you can one. Take the other one. Then. And we're like, does this make any sense? <laughs> and you know, sometimes I don't know if I'm not always on the front line. I don't think about it, right. but someone will bring it to me and say, you know, and that was like yeah. people in Cirque, my head of Cirque, whatever, coming to me and saying, does this make any sense right. in the customer service sense? No. I said, absolutely not, because if someone wanted it, it would be on reserve. If it's not on reserve, why are we making them go upstairs? Right. I'm getting another copy. <laughs> and there's some one of them. We have a family who likes the Roku. So they come and they get the Roku. And again, it's reservable. It's not renewable, it's reservable. So they bring the Roku back and there's one in the drawer. Well, can I take this one out again? And they were saying no. But you can take this one out. But why? I already got used to this one. Can I take this one again? No, because you have to now give it in. And now take another one. Get used to that one. So you review this stuff. It's like seems so silly, but ultimately, it is silly, but it's turning people off. You have to really adjust your policies and procedures all the time. Well, it's just update. an expansion of the coffee and, and, and Absolutely. You know, yeah. right. something sure. right What's the no. worst no. thing that's going to happen? Right. Sky's not going to fall. Right? No. Yeah. no. But you get, you get some employees, though, that are so stuck in yes. the process, and they, won't, and they won't deviate from that. It's like, right. no, the policy says you can't take this one out, so we'll take that back. Well, they use those dirty words. This is the way things have always been. That's this right, is yeah. the way. Yeah. This is the way we've always done it. We've always yeah. done it. See, thank goodness that's not that said that much here because we don't do things the same way for a very long time. I remember when you guys left for Gorham Hill and they were, you guys first started talking about that 3D printer and you said, oh, we're going to look at this 3D printer. I'm like, oh, my God, 3D printer. What I was going to say, I need a quick and dirty tutorial. How do I figure this thing out? It was the first instinct was to figure out how to use it. Right, right. But we have, I think we give everyone on the staff a really good opportunity to learn how to use it's the, best, the equipment yep. and we provide staff training. Everybody's really helpful and friendly and if you you know i've shown the same person how to use it you know time after time <laughs> not after me time. not me full disclosure uh, no, 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 <laughs> but they keep coming back they, if they forget how to use it they'll say i forgot how to use it you have to show me again and you know it's, it's okay you know. and marisa like does it with a nice attitude and yeah. we're closed on thursdays from nine to ten for staff training so if Very there's need time, yeah. we have that too we have the time to do it that speaks to the openness too mm -hmm. of the staff because most people would just be like I was shown nine times, but I don't want to go back I'm afraid, and look stupid yeah. and ask to right. see it again. You know, that right there speaks to the comfort level mm -hmm. of the staff mm -hmm. you know, and the cross-training that goes on. That's incredible. It really is. My favorite podcast, by the way. <laughs> I always Thank say you. that. but this He says it on every podcast. Oh, this one is real. You can feel it. So obviously, uh, with all the changes in technology and what we like to call library land, um, how do you still keep the emphasis on the customer patron service fresh because it's very easy to get bogged down and oh I got a cloud extruder I got to deal with this for an hour and a half and you know oh somebody broke the cricket somebody poured you know water in, on on this keyboard now the keyboard's not working or th there's all this stuff to get mired down in so how do you you know keep it fresh keep in the in the minds of of the people who work here that it's about the patron first how do you you know not get lost in the technology the technology aspect of the job I think one way is when we have general staff meetings, instead of me just talking the whole time, which can happen because I can talk a lot, I try to go around the room and people say what they're doing, not just technology, just what they might be working on and share ideas. And I think that by sharing the ideas, and the ideas are all about how we're serving the community. So we repeat it. And we're mm -hmm. constantly repeating it. And I think the main thing is 
that you have to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Sure. And I think that's what it is. It's by example and showing that this is this is where we want to go. This is what's important in this library. And I think that it's just discussed a lot. We talk about customer service. We talk about adjusting policies and procedures. It's yeah. all about making sure the experience, the experience of coming in this library makes you love it and makes you want to come back and talk about it to your friends. Right. That really is cool. I want to come back. Can we come back? <laughs> Schedule episode two now. We should come back in <laughs> the, the daytime with the beautiful the lighting. Yeah. The natural lighting with all the windows really yeah. makes Bring it Bring the beautiful. kids. Staff yeah. party? No. Staff yeah. party Staff episode two. <laughs> Staff party. Not for broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not suitable for broadcast. <laughs> okay, I love this next question. You came up with these, right? Yes. <laughs> well, cl we collaborated. As libraries continue to change and evolve, especially in the past 10 years with ebooks, e audiobooks, streaming services, both librarians and staff need to keep up with the technology as well. Maybe not with the inner workings of a 3D printer, but having the knowledge to help a patron with OverDrive or a database or the library's website. Talk to us about training for staff. Do you ask for volunteers for the 3D printing and making spaces technology versus requiring staff to know OverDrive and using some of the other services like lynda.com and consumer reports, etc.? Um, well, with the OverDrive, um, we created a pamphlet for every device, how to you know, print it out. It's on our website. We hand it out the desk every whole day. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, people are always like, do you have instructions? We either just hand it out. We tell them it's on their website, and we say, if you have a problem, come in with your device. We'll help you. Um, One thing I have to interrupt there because it's so important. I've seen libraries where people come in for the device, mm -hmm. and they say to them, either come back tomorrow because nobody at the desk can mm -hmm. help you right oh, now yeah. or make an appointment. That's right. Yeah. Now, They're the person... They're having a problem right in front of you. And they you have the back. device. That's they right. don't want yeah. to come back tomorrow. Yeah. They don't want to make an appointment. And that's what I love about... And it's not just the training. They share their information. Yeah. Like, when we first started with the downloadables, one person had a Kindle, one person had a Nook, one person... And they shared it. It was yeah. like sharing what the information was. So, Marisa, I'm sorry I had to interrupt because sure. it just is the that's way, you know, point. it's... But that's one of the most popular things that we help people with is OverDrive. Um, and the three, with the 3D printing, we don't have volunteers. We just have... Uh, I mean, we do have the teen volunteers. They, they work our the, the, program. the programming. Um, but just for everyday use, it, the makerspace is open all the hours that we're open. So mm -hmm. whoever is at that desk just, just has to know how to man that desk and there's going to be you know all kinds of questions from my extruder is clogged to how do you download from the website to you know where's the bathroom you know <laughs> <laughs> so the person who sits up at this desk is actually it has to know a lot and uh it, and everybody does a really good job of keeping up with it we do have a manual there for the staff if you have a question troubleshooting you can flip through it see if you can solve the problem if not, there's usually someone else in the building you can call, and somebody will come up and help you. That's great. has to be team effort. Mm -hmm. always has to be it team is effort. A team. It is Because you may know 90%, but there's always going to be the 10%, and there's going to be somebody else that will overlap with the 10 Maybe they only know 30%, mm -hmm. but maybe that 10% overlaps to 10% you don't know. So it really, I always like to see that even if you have somebody who isn't really technologically inclined, um, the part that they do know they will help you with. Mm -hmm. right. right. Like I always use the example of, because um, I'm not really good at reader's advisory, but if somebody's at the desk with me and 
somebody says, what's, what's the latest Dean Koontz novel? I'm like, uh, <laughs> um, I want to read something like Patterson. Um, uh, you know, one of my colleagues will just jump right in. In the same breath, if one of my colleagues gets an overdrive question and for some reason the device is not working, for whatever reason, they'll go, uh, Chris, can you help me out with this? I'm like, okay, great. Anybody have a reader's advisory question? Because this is the guy to go to. <laughs> so it, it really is nice how staff can complement each other because everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. Definitely. So it's something that, it's, it's a team effort and it always is when you're out there. Okay, so um, what kinds of training um, do you have for librarians and staff who, to stay ahead of the curve and keep up with the technology? So do librarians come up to you and say, hey, this is really cool, we should get this? And when you do get something that's new, it doesn't sound like you have any pushback, but do you get pushback from time to time? We really haven't. Like I said, especially in like the children's department, they'll purchase all kinds of things, and then I'd want them to discuss it at a staff meeting or to let people know what they have. The other thing Marisa did, which was really good she's we have an internal blog mm -hmm. That's cool. and the best like is it once a month Marisa you speak month. to what you came up with right That's well, idea. <laughs> well Ellen came up with the idea to have a technology team where we meet yeah. once a month across uh, departments yeah it's somebody from every department and um, we just discuss everything that's going on in the building and you know, at our first meeting, I realized, like, wow, we have no idea what's going on across, <laughs> across, across departments. So, um, and I was like, we were like, wow, you do that? <laughs> so uh, every every month I, I post a tech news blog post on the blog and just give a summary of what each department is doing, uh, most, mostly related to technology. And um, that way everybody on staff knows what's going on in the building. It is the most helpful thing ever, that tech blog. And it's important for all staff because yeah. the circulation, you know, reads the blog, everybody. Yeah. So it's it's something that everybody knows. So you don't feel stupid. You don't want anyone to feel yeah. stupid. Oh, and right. like just because you're not a technology person doesn't mean you want someone to come up to you and say, oh, I heard you had a Roku. A who? Right. A what? You know, yeah, yeah, a right. what's this? A new core or what? I right, know what right. You know, and it, it helps, I think, all around to make people feel included. Yeah. So it was a great... You know, that's a great thing, the tech news. I think right. it's really good to have an internal blog anyway yeah. so you can share information, good, bad, and different. Yeah. It sounds like what you're doing is uh, removing a lot of the boundaries and thereby removing the excuses, too, for people not to be involved. You know, mm -hmm. Oh, that technology, I don't really get involved in that. But you're keeping them up to date on it, and, and the boundaries are gone pretty much, right? So they get mm. to, it's very comfortable and very easy for them to just look and see what's going on in each department. And, and Marisa's been to computers really and libraries. Mike, a tech person, goes to. Com I used to go yeah. to computers and libraries like yeah. almost every year when it first started. Yeah. There was a bunch of us who went as librarians, and every single yeah. one of us became directors. It was very cool. interesting really that ever the whole group that went to computers yeah. and libraries transformation, right? Yeah, because it was th that forward thinking, mindset, including right. Debbie Podolsky from Farmingdale, yeah, yeah. and uh, we went every year, and uh, we bonded in that way, yeah. you know, it really was important, but I'm big on sending to programs, I'm big on sending, you know, if you want to go to a conference, let me know, I think it's really important, to, and that is how you keep ahead of the curve, if you don't pay attention to the literature, all of that, I think it's really important. That's actually our next question. Kind of, I guess, envisioning the library, librarian of today and tomorrow, what they look like um, as a leader in your library and your distinctive departments, how do you foster that kind of growth? And I think you just answered that. Is, you know, by encouraging folks to reach out beyond their 
you know, in-house limits to, to other folks' ideas and sending them to conferences. And, you know, I've, I've gone to computers and libraries pretty much every year for the last 15 years or so or 18 years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it's great. It's a great way to learn. And, you know, even during the troubling years when they just talked about e-books, remember that? It was like three right. or four years when <laughs> you went and it was like, you want to go to e-book A or e-book B? <laughs> and if you're bored, you can go to track C and D about e-books. That's true. But then they, right, there was a couple of years, it was a block of years that was just like, that's all they talked about. Were you there the year we got snowed in? No. I that was before was. your time, but probably. Either that or I had my 10-year-old at the time, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one year we got snowed in. It was like the craziest thing. Yeah. It was really nuts. But I, I think it's exposure to things yeah. and people willing to do that and That's come right. and say, you know, this looks interesting. And sometimes it doesn't look like it's something that would really apply. But when you go, you might get one yeah. or two things out of it. And that's what's important. Yeah. That's a great conference, though. Right. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and it's also when, when you get a, like, you know, one of the, the library journals or, you know, yeah. one of the technology journals, you're not going to read every article, but you're going to see an article that catches your eye. If you get one tidbit of information from that one article, then it was worthwhile reading. Right. So the same thing goes with conferences. If, you know, if you get one ounce of something, then hopefully that's a seed and it plants the idea, which then develops into something. And it may not, it may be something completely different than what the program was about. That's right. But it planted the seed about something else. Mm -hmm. That's why I think, you know, going to conferences is important. It is. Yeah. So what's next? What's the future of the Merrick Library? Okay, I'm getting what's my pencil happening? out. Here we go. <laughs> All the secrets are coming out. So he can take them back to Sachem. Clink! Clink! Oh, boy. Well, I think we're refining what we have. I mean, right. we have the makerspace already. We're always planning on how to make it better, um, how to make things run smoothly. Or um, I don't know. I don't think we have anything big uh, and new in the works. It, it is something that's completely different, just uh, complementing what we already have existing in the library and just making everything work better. We did a maker day last year, and we combined it with high-tech and low-tech. And we had so many people. What we did is we even used the reference area and just put different items on each table. And it was great. I mean, it was, you know, from little bits to whatever. Every table was something different. Mm -hmm. We had stuff going on through the whole library, whether it was crafts or 3D printing. And it, it, the reception of it was great. So I think it's true what Marisa said. We're always refining what we're doing. And I don't know if you could plan Right. to jump <laughs> right. you know like even That's when the MakerBot started and this that you can't really plan that type of thing what you can plan is continuous training and and having the culture to open your mind and be ready to receive what's going to come because you just can't plan for it it just happens and you say wow let's do it well, I was going to say just give Ellen another 10 minutes <laughs> she'll, she'll let you know <laughs> Wow, this place is amazing, and you could tell just by the leadership that this is a special place. You know what's unique? So we've done a bunch of podcasts up until now, but mm -hmm. I picked out some key words that you folks kept talking about and kept saying, and I want to read them to you to get an idea of where you guys really stand in this whole thing and what makes the difference between Merrick Library and pretty much a bunch of other libraries that are struggling to, to get where they are. So vision, sharing, focus, fun, example, approach, and team were the top mentioned words out of all of us. And I think that makes the difference. So from the, it seems like from the top down and from the, from the bottom up, you guys have the same approach, yes. the same vision, the same active mm -hmm. sharing and all those kinds of things. 
having a, a supportive board, a supportive director, supportive staff, I think this is absolutely incredible, incredible place. Definitely, definitely. We feel that way. We really <laughs> yeah. do. But I it's love neat, it. It's neat to have outsiders come in and, and let absolutely. you reflect on what you're actually doing and step yes. outside of your daily, you know, day-to-day, -day, you know, kind of Step outside the stream. And take, right. a look, take a yeah. look around and see how impressed. And we're kind of in the field and we're like, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this really is cool. So I think we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we are going to be asking our guests our top 10 library questions or the 032.02 list, which is the Dewey number for top 10 lists. And we have to thank Melanie Cardone from the Longer Public Library for the, na the name idea. So it's a list of questions that we ask all our guests. So we will be right back. Hi, we're back. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, we are at the Merrick, the Merrick Library with after the director, Ellen Fire. It's the After Hours podcast. I know, right? The, the, the break in between is just as entertaining. It's Unleashed. Podcast Unleashed. That's right. So we're back, and we are about to ask our guests our 032 list question, which corresponds to the Dewey number for top 10 lists. Uh, so we have to actually give credit. Um, to the website Library Literary Hub, I always mess their name up, uh, which is a website that's very interesting uh, library-related articles and interviews. Uh, you can see their work by visiting www.lithub.com or their Twitter feed at, at @lithub or on Facebook at facebook.com/lithub. The LitHub, sorry, LitHub. And they are terrific. That's a great website. Isn't it wonderful? Love it. I the, absolutely love it. Their Twitter feed is amazing. Yep, because it's you, great. You get the short and dirty, and you can get into it a little bit more if you want to. It's wonderful. It really is great. So we always encourage people to visit their site and social media because they, cur they curate, that's a bad word, curate stories and articles that are of interest to anyone in the library world. So thank you, Literary Hub. So you guys ready for these questions? Not that you prepped or anything. Okay, so first question. What did you want to be when you were a child? I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a detective. <laughs> you kind of are a detective. <laughs> a so teacher. I did. I wanted to be a detective. <laughs> like James Bond. Oh, like a real one. Like a real Yeah. Ellen? Teacher. Teacher. Okay. Good, Bob. All right, so what is your first memory of a library, and who brought you to the library for the first time? I definitely went every year. I lived in Brooklyn, 
and we were a couple of blocks from the library, and it was a trip we took, and the librarian would do a book talk. And I remember, you know, the Five Chinese Brothers, Island of the Blue Dolphins. I remember the books, and I used to go, we would go away for the summers, and they'd let you take, like, 25 books, and I used to take out 25 books every summer. So (laughs) that was really my, I was always a reader. It's funny, recently I ran into someone living in Merrick who was from Brooklyn and went to elementary school with me, Mm -hmm. and she said, you know, you always had the most books That's read right. on the little <laughs> chart in second grade. And here you are, you're the director of my library. Right. <laughs> it makes sense. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Um, I, I have a very early memory of walking to the library in Brooklyn with my mom and my brother and sister just to check out books. Um, I don't have a very clear memory of that because I was very young. But after that, I remember uh, I, we moved to Massapequa, and I remember the children's library being in the basement. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. And I remember walking down the stairs. That's cool. Um, my mom took my sister and I to the Brooklyn Public Library, the Borough Park branch on 43rd Street. And I remember she handed me Go Dog Go. Hmm. My mom did. She said, wow. sit there, read that. And then I told Marisa that I always... When I figured out the adults were downstairs, I would try to sneak yes. Yes. down to the adult yes. section. That's what I Because I do. thought, wow, those, bigs were, those books are way bigger. There's probably more fun in there cool. than what's going on up here. Okay. It's my turn, right? It is. It is my turn. Okay. When did you decide to work in a library? And if not, what was your first career path? I know we kind of talked about yeah. this earlier because it's a great question, but we're just going to rehash it one more time. Yeah, I decided to work in a library after I had graduated college, and I had left a graduate program, decided to change course, and uh, fell into it. (laughs) So that was really not my intention, but I'm really glad I did. I guess I was in my early to mid-20s, and uh, I was working in Manhattan in the publishing field. I was an editorial assistant, then I went to the advertising and promotions department, and I um, really hated commuting. (laughs) I really didn't want to go on the train anymore, so I was like, I have to find something else to do, because publishing is in Manhattan, I wasn't going to get a job in publishing on Long Island, so I, I decided I'll go to library school. But we're glad you did. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Marisa. (laughs) Um, I decided when I got my first uh, college work study opportunity to work for the Diebold Group, and they were the fathers of automation. So I was a library assistant in a corporate library, and I loved it. It was great. I had the best time. I said, I should stick around with this. This is a pretty good gig. (laughs) I'm glad you're here. It's good. All right, this is a great question, because it's all different answers. So who is your favorite fictional librarian? To think. I can't even think of one off the top of my head. I think Parker Posey. Mary from Party Girl. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to use that answer, too. Uh, (laughs) She was actually a clerk in the beginning, but she decides to go to library school (laughs) by the end. (laughs) I don't know why. I'm drawing a blank. I can't think of I can't no? think of anything. I can't think of one. There's so many little cozy mysteries. Because real life librarians are so much more interesting yes, than the fiction. Yes. Ones. True, true, <laughs> true. Okay, so what uh, would you be doing if you were not working in a library? Well, 
that depends. Did I did I win the lotto? <laughs> <laughs> Which island would you own if you weren't working in a library? I don't know. If I wasn't working in a library, I'd probably just be at home with my kids. I can't imagine doing uh, another career right now. Sounds I'd okay. probably do corporate. I'd probably just be working in the corporate field because I, instead of public, I'd be in the private sector probably. Or I'd be a detective. Right. <laughs> 007. <laughs> Either human resources or teaching. You're up. Alma, so what is your favorite section of the library? My favorite section? Hmm. That's a good question. Anybody have a quicker answer than me? Staff lounge during party time? Is that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a good part of the library. It's a very well, good Well, I, lo I love the travel section because I order all the books. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and I like to see all these places that I'm going to go to one day after I win the lotto. That's right. And by the island. Mm -hmm. I would do probably my favorite section is sci-fi, horror, and fantasy. Detective. Yeah. <laughs> Sci-fi and horror. That's I my love, place. I love the new book section mm -hmm. because I love to recommend things. I usually mm -hmm. read mostly galleys. I re do a lot on NetGalley and Edelweiss. So by the time they come out as new books, it's easy to recommend because I've read so many of them. <laughs> so we have a staff pick section, which we love too because people really enjoy coming in and having something recommended, not just looking at a big pile of books. Yeah. So that's my favorite section, is seeing what's coming in and seeing what's going out. That's great. This is actually one of my favorite questions. If you had infinite space and budget, what would you add to the library? Cocktail lounge. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. Mm -hmm. Without <laughs> flinching, she said that. She did. Quick. Without missing at all. You could tell she came from corporate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. It's a different Happy mindset. <laughs> I would definitely add, particularly in this library, but everything I've seen in every library, more study rooms, more mm -hmm. group type of, but not necessarily a big group, like collaboration rooms, collaboration rooms that type of thing. Yep. I would really like to add that. We have comfortable seating. We have a lot of variety mm -hmm. of places and places to sit and little nooks and stuff. But I would love to see more of yeah. The, the rooms that people couldn't use because we have a big need for that. And very often we open up the multi-purpose room and put mm -hmm. tables in there because we just run out of space. Yeah. We do things like um, finals week, we put we set up set up the multi-purpose room, wow. we put out hot chocolate and coffee and cookies oh, and stuff. They love that. Students yeah. love that. That's a college thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. We they are that. so happy yeah. when they do that. <laughs> That's really cool. So just more rooms. Yeah, I would, I'd, I'd make our makerspace bigger, definitely. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, we have one, which I'm grateful for, but I would definitely make it bigger. We could do a lot more things if we had more space. Mm -hmm. Cool. So what do you love about your library? Not that they so, haven't gushed for an so hour much. and a half. I know, there's so much. <laughs> yeah. You pick one thing. Well, I would pick the staff. I really do love the staff. Yeah, I was, I was going to say the people. You know. I wrote staff yeah. and customer service. Yeah. Yeah. Not the I think lunch. that's really... What? <laughs> well, the holiday party? Oh, the holiday, the holiday party. party. <laughs> Monday margaritas, Tuesday Tanqueray, Wednesday... I think we're <laughs> crashing. This is after hours, buddy. This is what it's all about. That's right. That's great. 
Okay. Um, am I up? You're up, you? yeah. I'm up, okay. Okay, what's the weirdest and not necessarily worst thing, the weirdest thing that's ever happened in your library? My first answer was not suitable for broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody else may have other things. Not suitable. Truly, I can't say. <laughs> the first thing that popped into my mind was when the bird was in here flying around and one of our staff members was like stalking this bird and <laughs> it just kept, you know, it just kept moving. Yeah. And uh, it had him like, we had the bird cornered like at the bottom of the steps by the windows for a while and it, it was a good like hour and a half, I think, before we got the bird out. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many weird things, but again, some of it you just don't even want to repeat. <laughs> like, well, plus you don't want to give other people ideas to do right, it in other places. Right. So. I think the one thing, though, and it wasn't at this library. It was a previous library I worked at. I think one of the weirdest things and grossest is um, someone was clipping their toenails. Oh. And I just, <laughs> was really disgusted. I never This was my favorite since. podcast right up until the toenail clipping came out. <laughs> Is that we were, we were disgusting? On such a high I know. I had to. I had to add that in. But right. that and it was just to clarify that did not happen in Merrick. <laughs> did, did not happen or St. Jim or Emma Clark. Didn't happen anywhere. Did not. <laughs> did not happen in Merrick. But it, it was one of the weirdest things I had ever seen. Right in the gutter. Right. <laughs> yep. Cool. Yep. I had such high hopes for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just took it down to the gutter. Crashing <laughs> down. Uh, well, at least it's in the after hours segment. That's so right. Right. Don't technically right. have to hear it. Right. So who is your favorite? Hopefully this doesn't coincide with the toenail clipping. <laughs> Who's your favorite regular patron? The regular toenail clipping patron. I would probably say, and it's not a singular, but I would say every month I have this core group of 25 to 30 people that come That's to the book discussions. That's a core discussions. group. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it started out much more, but I still have that core yeah. 30 yeah. that will come no matter what. Can you imagine what. what the rest of the group is like? And they Most just, libraries have a core group of four. Right. <laughs> that group just comes out every month, and they are my favorites, and I know what their children are doing and their grandchildren and what they're doing, and it's terrific. So when I see them every month, I'm actually so excited to not only – Put That's on this great yeah. show for them with the book discussion, but talk to them, see how they're doing. I don't, yeah, I don't think I have just one. I mean, there's so many regulars that we have here that I don't know. I guess I, I appreciate all of them for their quirks. And none of them included toenails. Um, <laughs> I also, I do, like I said, I don't sit in my office a lot. I walk around a lot, so I have a lot of interaction with patrons. I don't have one favorite but there's so many to see here on a regular basis and yeah. I think that's really great. That's great okay so here's the the final question and probably our both Bob and mine's favorite question what are people without library cards missing out on you mean besides us I said us <laughs> I wrote us <laughs> I wrote us <laughs> I mean, there's on. so much. There's so We're much. Fine. It's so hard to narrow that down. <laughs> I think just missing out so much that the ability to um, meet with other people in something like a book dis discussion, to discover, to create, do crafts, you know, even just reading. I think, you know, to talk to people about books. There's just so much you're missing out on. I, I can't imagine not having a library card. Right. I, I just can't. <laughs> we have Friday films. We yeah. Have, yeah, I mean, there's so many things that we offer. Yoga's big here. Yoga's we have lots really of big. yoga. Really. 
We Lots have, of yoga. We have so many <laughs> services that people, yeah. you know, if they're not aware of, they find out. They're like, really? Like, uh, for example, like my mother-in-law has a subscription to Consumer Reports. And I was like, you know, you can get that at the library. Right, the library does. She's like, right, yeah. like, well, they give me access online. I'm like, yeah, you yeah. can get it online <laughs> too. <laughs> you can search for toasters in your pajamas. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Something the NASA libraries are doing, and I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's something we're doing this month. Again, because so many people don't know we have ebooks, even though it's not our only service. For us, it's one of our, you know, everybody has ebooks yeah. in Nassau. So we have a billboard truck, mm -hmm. and it says, You have the devices, we have the ebooks, free. And that's a great idea. Billboard yeah. truck, this came from the reinvention committee, the, wow. the idea to try to just spread the word more and how do we get people to know what we're doing. And it'll be traveling some of the major routes. The other thing we're going to be doing with it, already it went to a um, one community, one book program. People who are having spring festivals, fall festivals, we paid one price that people can get this truck for. Yeah, so great. it can go to different events and just help us publicize. And as a result, what we also did is we had a table at the Oyster Festival this year because we know they get like 250, I think they said they had 250,000 people. Wow. Ran out of oysters. Yeah. And again, we, we were there and we were just, and it wasn't, you know, it was just NASA libraries promoting ebooks, being there and talking and step Pretty right up. Pretty soon we'll be in one of those beach planes that fly yeah. over Jack's <laughs> Beach and I'll learn how to fly the plane. Because that's the hardest thing, you know. You, people still have this very stodgy, strange vision of That's what right. we are. Yeah. And when they find out, it just does open a new world. So it's, so it's upsetting to me that we can't get that word out more. How do we just get them to understand what's available here? And it's not free-free, because obviously the taxes right. are paying for it, so they deserve the service. They right. deserve mm -hmm. to come here and appreciate what we have. So, you know, that's big on my And having radar. said that, how we had so much foot traffic this summer. We were oh my mobbed. <laughs> it was, we were packed. Yeah, at all Every times. Every day, mm -hmm. at night, on the weekends, we were packed. And it's a great return on your investment because all the things, I mean, museum passes, oh, yeah. books, e-books, yeah, audio books, absolutely. you know, they're just so much that y y it pays for itself. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the biggest thing we need to do is make this podcast available to your patrons <laughs> because they need to hear it. They really, this would give them a deep yeah. insight, you know, look into how the You guys can tie it into social yeah. media and everything, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to boost the heck out of it and make sure that they can hear it because, I mean, that's what they need to hear. And we do have great social media presence. Marisa was in charge of putting together a social media plan that assigned, and we have all the staff. What's great again? All the staff. And then I had two of the children's librarians, two of the newest ones, come in and say, you know, we'd really like to do more with social media. Is that okay? <laughs> like, really? No, it's not. <laughs> no, do not. Knock do not out. let <laughs> the cat out of the bag. I don't want you to do anything on social media. No it coffee. Was no food. <laughs> no. It was great, though. That's what I'm saying. To, they came yeah. to me. I, to you know, no. that's great. Yeah. So I said, go, go with it. But it's coordinated. Marisa yeah. coordinates it, so it's great because it's not overlap. Then everybody knows who's doing Twitter, who's doing Instagram, who's doing Facebook, and yeah. we have a children's Facebook, teen Facebook, and adults. You know, that's smart. And it's a good way to gauge public interest too. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, we have a reader's blog, mm -hmm. which is really fun. You should read it. This is something else. <laughs> we will. Now. It's really fun. <laughs> so, um, 
you have to give me links for all this stuff so I can put this stuff on the on the web page so people can actually experience it and see it and pictures and, too. Yes, and pictures. We need pictures. So um, wow is the only word I can think of. This was Great. Amazing. This you, was fun. You, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for Thank coming. You know, this yes. is really great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we look, we, your, your enthusiasm. And I, obviously, this is only audio, but the smiles on your faces. <laughs> it just, it, this is a, a, you could tell this is an amazing environment to work wow. in. Absolutely. So thanks, thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Where do our resumes go, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Move to America. Right. <laughs> Already moving to America. <laughs> Call the kids and the wives and tell them we'll stay. Bring the minivans. <laughs> <laughs> and the website is www.mericlibrary.org. I almost messed that one up. And we'll put that on the website as well. Excellent. Okay. So that's all the time we have for this edition of the podcast. And um, if you have any questions or comments on the show, uh, go to the contact us section of our website at thelibrarypros.com. Uh, we'll also have show notes, lots of pictures and links from this wonderful place uh, up on the site. You can also check us out on Twitter at, at the Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash librarypros. And so you don't miss a single thing, don't forget to subscribe on RSS, iTunes, Android, email, and Google Play. Remember, the opinions stated by the Library Pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and the guests. And are not those at the Sachin Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial <laughs> Library. That's the Sachin Public Library drinking game. <laughs> the Mary Public Library or anybody else. <laughs> Thanks for coming. They're going to go have a drink on me. <laughs> and we will see you next time. Cheers. You've been listening to the Library Bros Podcast. The Library Bros are brought to you by Pivot Productions and by the Library Bros themselves. Mr. Christopher Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sage and Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Paul Tim Webb.